estrogen in particular um, has an effect on the elasticity or the kind of tensibility of the tissue. Mm-hmm. And so as we go through perimenopause and menopause and our estrogen fluctuates as, as much as it does, yeah. um, that's going to affect just the tissue. Oh, wow. In general, and that, you know, it can create a little bit more laxity, a little bit more weakness within the pelvic floor. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey sisters, I'm going to get right into it today. Have you ever found yourself starting a workout maybe and suddenly you realize you're leaking pee or jumping on the trampoline with your your child or maybe you're waking up so many times in the night to pee or maybe you're just urinating when you're not expecting it and sometimes the world is like telling you, hey, this is normal or you're too embarrassed to do anything about it. There was a lot of years when I would avoid doing things like jumping jacks or high knees because in my workouts because every time I did them, I would pee myself. And I remember making a post about it and thinking it was like trying to find humor in it. And one of my nearest and dearest friends gently reminded me that that's not normal. <laughs> and we shouldn't normalize that behavior. And that was the beginning of me learning so much around this piece. And the longer I help women, the more hundreds of women I've been able to help in perimenopause, the more I've become to understand that peeing in perimenopause is a common thing. And yet it's not normal. So I'm really excited to have an expert on today and my dear friend who is an orthopedic and pelvic health physiotherapist and yoga teacher who actually combines these two practices to help women find the most optimal function of their pelvic floor and core. And she's here today to talk to us specifically about peeing and perimenopause and maybe a few other things. So I'm really excited to get right into the reality of this conversation. Welcome, my dear friend, Leslie Richards. Welcome, Leslie. Hi. (laughs) I'm good. I'm so glad you're here today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, me too. So tell us just a little first, tell everyone listening um, how you can't, because that's unique, I think, you know, the combination of physiotherapy and yoga. And specializing in that pelvic floor area. Um, how did you come to merge those two or, or want to merge those two? Um, well, it started, I started off working as a physio and uh, after a year or two of my, my physio practice, um, I started doing yoga as well. Mm-hmm. And um, this is not uncommon, but it's kind of unfortunate after starting 
to do yoga, I noticed I was having more pain, more neck pain and more shoulder pain and more SI pain. And, um, yeah, I thought, wait a second, why am I leaving class and I'm in, in more pain? So it started really, um, letting me explore my posture, explore the way I moved. I, I continued on with my yoga practice, but I really take, took a big step back and kind of brought my physio brain into the mix as well and noticed areas um, that I was really compensating when I was working kind of harder than what I should have been, you know, what I was actually strong enough to do. I was doing a lot of arm balances, a lot of you know, chaturangas and planks and shrugging my shoulder right up to my ear because I wasn't actually strong enough to maintain that nice chest. And so when I started investigating and kind of bringing my anatomy and biomechanics and and the training that I got in my physio into my yoga practice and combining them, um, I started feeling better. And I said, you know, I, I took a big step back in my yoga practice, you know, I started doing all of my planks on knees and maybe I only did one or two chaturanga rather than, you know, going the full flow of the class. Um, And then eventually I was able to do those pain-free and then I started to build on. So again, kind of approaching my yoga practice like a physio treatment or or treatment plan. Um, Yeah. And then I thought, you know, if I was able to do this myself, let's start doing this with my patients. Um, and, and then I got my yoga teacher, tra- uh, did my yoga teacher training and got my certification so I could start uh, u- using this in my physio practice, but also doing yoga classes and bringing that function and that whole concept into the yoga world as well. Um, and now both in both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. Um, I've done over the years a therapeutic yoga class where I keep the class to kind of a smaller number. We use a lot of props. We use chairs. We use the walls. We um, just make it more accessible to all bodies and kind of make the practice work for the bodies because Mm -hmm. everybody is so different. And we all come with our histories and our, you know, injuries and activities and jobs and, you know, all this stuff that imprints on our bodies. So, yeah. I feel like we could do an entire episode on that specifically on how like we maybe push through and don't even hear what our body is saying to us, Yes, you know, because we're just trying to get to that end result or something. Yeah. Not, yeah. Which is so, you know, kind of coming back to pelvic health or coming around to pelvic health, I suppose. Um, so much of our pelvic floor dysfunction and, you know, pelvic health, is associated with kind of not paying attention at all. You know, we, we ignore what's going on down there. We've never really noticed what's going on down there. We've had lots of stuff happen there. And so we've kind of lost this connection. Yeah. Um, and so yoga is a really wonderful way to bring that mindfulness and that awareness back into uh, the mix. That's interesting. So I feel like most women know, you know, their what their pelvic floor is, or they've heard about it. But can you like, why don't you just tell us what is our pelvic floor? Where is it in our body? And why does it matter? Yes. Yeah. So our pelvic floor, uh, it's a group of muscles that sit at the very base of the pelvis. So if you were to have a pelvis in front of you, um, and you can even feel on your body if you'd like, but we've got our pubic bone up front, mm-hmm. we've got our tailbone at the back, 
And then we've got our sits bones, our ischial tuberosities, which are those bony bits in your bum that you can feel in the chair. <laughs> and so that's your, your pelvic outlet. You know, that's where our, our poop and our pee and our babies and, you know, if things are inserted, you know, that's the opening there. And, we've, <laughs> and we have this group of muscles that, that basically fill in that opening. And then we have the openings within that, our urethra, where we pee, our vagina, um, and our anus. Okay. And so the pelvic floor muscles, their their primary functions are going to be to maintain the closure, so our continence of our urine, our feces, um, to, uh, to relax and allow our pee and our poop to come out, to allow ourselves to have a baby, to allow penetration. You know, we, we have these muscles that I know we want them to be able to do both. We want them to be able to close and and maintain closure. We want them to be able to relax and open up. Um, and then they support, it's kind of like a hammock that supports our pelvic organs. So, uh, our bladder, our uterus, fallopian tubes, our rectum and bowels. Um, yeah, so kind of important (laughs) there as well, you know, with, with pelvic, our pelvic floor really affects our sexual function and, and pleasure with sex, you know, the ability sometimes to have sex and orgasm and Um, yeah. Oh boy. And there's another, another episode right there to talk about is like pain, you know, during these years, but yeah, yeah. um, Okay. So we understand that, especially with regards, to, with regards to peeing in perimenopause, which is yes. what we're trying to stay focused on today. Cause yes. there's so many juicy topics. We understand that the pelvic floor is really important in like the allowing and relaxing of the, of like a full urination yes. and also like the closing and supporting of, so we're not having in, incontinence or peeing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, in perimenopause, when we know, obviously, like perimenopause, as we know, is that sort of that shifting of time or that reverse puberty time in our hormones. Is it more common for us to start having issues with our pelvic floor during this time? It is. Yes. Yeah. Particular estrogen, estrogen in particular um, has an effect on the elasticity or the kind of tensibility of the tissue. Mm-hmm. And so as we go through perimenopause and menopause and our estrogen fluctuates as, as much as it does, yeah. um, that's going to affect just the tissue. Oh, wow. In general, and that, you know, it can create a little bit more laxity, a little bit more weakness within the pelvic floor. So that right there is going to play a role. Okay. Um, and is it, sorry, is it the fluctuation of the estrogen or is it the le- lessening? The of lessening. The yes. Okay. Yeah. More the lessening as it, as the estrogen decreases. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that will be used to assist with pelvic floor function is, mm-hmm. you know, an estrogen topical cream or estrogen suppository that just helps the, the tissue. So that is an oft, uh, an option that is used sometimes Okay. So, and can be really, really effective. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So yeah. one of the reasons that it gets harder is because of the actual fluctuation of the hormones and that decreasing estrogen. Yes. Yeah. And anything else? Is there any other reason that, that, you know, leaking leakage or incontinence or pain, like, and I have had clients, yeah. I've had several clients talk about, you know, at night it happening without even recognizing that it's happening. Like it's a real thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, there are things that, you know, you, you hate to, to say it, but it's unfortunately true as we age, things happen. You know, our body just kind of like any 
anything, it, yeah. it can wear out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so our bladder, you know, we can, we can lose that extensibility or then compliant compliance of the tissue. Yeah. So it might not be able to hold as much, mm-hmm. um, the sensation can decrease a little bit. So we lose that perception, that feeling that we need to go. Right. Um, contractibility. So we don't completely empty and we have kind of a uh, bladder or bladder urine that's remaining in the bladder. Um, losing a bit of the pressure of the closing pressure of your urethra. So just okay. a little bit uh, of kind of laxity and tissue. Decreasing strength overall and the the speed of contraction of pelvic floor muscles. And this was crazy. I actually just heard this, this stat. Between the ages of 40 and 80 years old, we naturally lose 30 to 50% of our muscle mass. And that's in our body in general, but our pelvic floor is part of that. Right, right. Um, so this idea of uh, kind of maintaining a strength program, a rehab program, yeah. you know, just like we do for the rest of our body, um, just as prevention of all of those things that unfortunately come along with age. Yeah. Um, and then there's things on top of that kind of outside of the pelvic floor. Uh, we generally have a, a higher body weight and particularly around our abdomen, which can put more pressure on our bladder and our pelvic floor muscles um, constipation tends to go up as we go through and that straining, mm-hmm. chronic straining can put a, a strain on the pelvic floor. Um, not com- like fully emptying bowels can get, put pressure on our bladder and make it harder to empty and to fill, um, pelvic surgery. So hysterectomy slings, any surgery through the area is, is naturally going to make the tissue a little bit more lax and have an effect on pelvic floor. So that includes cesarean sections? That includes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, diabetes, you know, neuropathies, we often think about to the extremities, but that can also happen to pelvic floor. Right. So there's lots of things in mobility, just in general, as we get older, uh, we often lose our mobility unless we really try to uh, maintain it. So you're not going to get to the toilet as quickly. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so there's so lots of things yeah. that seem to come. It's come so up. interesting to hear all of the things because you follow the bouncing ball back on some of those things, right? You talk about like constipation, obviously being part of an issue, you know, um, and I know like food sensitivities or like certainly inflammatory foods can really play a role in, in constipation and also in, yes. you know, in, in urgency and feelings in the body, like just overall irritations. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that we do get to control, I guess. And then some that, as you're saying, is because of the fluctuation of, of the hormones or the declining of the estrogen. And some is, is we'll call it wear and tear. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that natural aging that kind of comes yeah. with the body. Yeah. Can we just kind of, you know, if I were to say to you, Hey, Leslie, like I'm like, I'm leaking in the middle of the night, but this is just normal, right? Like I'm just getting older. This is just what, what do you say to that when we talk about it being normal? Uh, well, I said, no, that, that, that's not normal. It's common. It happens a lot, but it's not normal. There are definitely things that we can do, uh, to change that, whether it, it, you know, to eliminate 
optimally um, to decrease for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but we get into these situations kind of because we don't pay a lot. We just kind of let it happen. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we start paying attention, as soon as we start putting some focus in and attention, you start to see the changes. Yeah. You know, as long as you're like anything, as long as you're persistent, as long mm-hmm. as you do it, you see the changes, you know, like, like any type of rehab or training program. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can you can really make changes, which is wonderful. Yeah, because you know, peeing yourself like or limiting your life because you don't feel comfortable doing something or you're afraid that something yeah. is gonna happen, like you're gonna leak or you're gonna pee, or you know, like I often, you know, I want to get on the trampoline with my kids. And there was a time when I absolutely couldn't. And that was yeah. like a real bummer in life, you know, or just doing certain workout programs that I liked, or, you know, if you're just overall like worried or about being somewhere or sleeping over somewhere or doing something, it starts to really limit your life that way. But I love love what, how you explained it. It's like, we almost want to think about them as the, that grouping of muscles that they are as, as an opportunity for us to strengthen those just like, or treat them just like we would a regular strength training program with both strengthening and releasing and and yeah, that. just getting that most optimal function of the muscle and, and yeah. With, um, so, okay. So I, I like that you said that it's common. So like leaking leakage, nighttime peeing frequency of, of having to go all the time. These are all common things. What else is common, but not normal? Um, so the big ones with bladder are going to be, you've mentioned, so our stress or urge incontinence. So that's leakage. Our stress is when um, I cough, I sneeze, I laugh, I go on the trampoline, you know, an extra additional stress is kind of put down through the bladder okay. um, or an intra, your intra, uh, intra abdominal pressure is increased from the diaphragm dropping down that pressure and we mm-hmm. can't maintain the closure. Um, or urge incontinence, which tends to come a little bit more towards perimenopause, menopause. Like oftentimes the stress incontinence is a little bit more, you know, after I've had a baby earlier on. And then as you approach menopause and go through perimenopause, you might start to get this urge incontinence where I have a strong urge. I can't quite make it to the toilet and I have a leak on the way. Yeah. Um, and when you've got both of those, that would is considered mixed incontinence where you have a bit of stress, a bit of, of urge. Um, but like you said, frequency, having to go to the washroom, you know, about eight times a day is, is, considered, you know, quote unquote, normal. Um, So if you're going more than eight times a day, um, then you are kind of getting into that frequency. Okay. Um, Urgency. Maybe you don't leak on the way to the toilet, but you're, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I got to go now. (laughs) There's no holding this and you do a beeline to the toilet. Um, But you can get you know, pain with your bladder filling that can be relieved, you know, when you have, uh, when you have your pee, you can get, oh, I'm putting on the spot here. No. Um, incomplete emptying. So you go not that long later, you feel like you have to go again. Uh, That leads into that frequency. If you're not getting a complete emptying. What if you, what if you sit down and you pee 
and you're just caught up, you know, scrolling your phone, like some people do yes. and you think you're done, but then all of a sudden you have to pee more like 30 yeah. seconds later. Is that an issue with the inability asking for yes. a friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that hesitation of, um, I sit down and I want to start going and I can't phobia. get starting. It started so that sometimes uh, those are often more if there's tension and tightness in your pelvic floor oh and you have that hard time kind of relaxing and letting it open. I thought that was just a stage fright thing. I didn't know that was an actual. <laughs> Look, we're learning so much about what's normal and what's not normal, but common. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about all these bladder symptoms, um, they relate to the, our bowels as well. You know, we, we, talk more about bladder um, and urinary incontinence because as much as it's something that we don't like to talk about much, it's easier to talk about than our bowels and having incontinence of stool or feces. Yeah. But that is something that happens on a regular basis as well. When we have pelvic floor, you know, dysfunction of some sort. Um, yeah. So we can have and pain with bowel movements, constipation. These are all bowel symptoms that are connected with our pelvic floor. So symptoms that if you experience, um, yeah, it's a good sign that there is something going on with the pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you share that because I think, you know, we always talk about it. It's like a lot of the times I think women suffer in silence because we're embarrassed or we don't realize that something isn't, you know, we think maybe it's normal or we pretend it's normal. We're embarrassed. So I think even just having this conversation, talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, I think to kind of summarize what I'm hearing you say is that these are common symptoms like leakage, frequency, inability to empty, and even some fecal issues that way, you know, even though that seems more embarrassing, are common but not normal, and they are a result of pelvic floor issues more often than not. Yes, we can improve them, and they yes. get worse in perimenopause one because of hormones, and two just because of relaxation and wearing tear and past trauma. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just pulled up here just a screening for pelvic floor dysfunction. So it's a, a few questions that is a good indicator of <sighs> you know, if I've ticked off these. You know, that's a good. So do I urinate more than eight times per day? Okay. Well, this is good. Okay. So so for everyone listening, these are the questions you can ask yourself to know whether this is, whether you're maybe struggling in this area. So sorry, yeah. the first one. So do you urinate more than eight times per day? Okay. Do you have difficulty initiating your urine stream or experiencing burning with urination? Okay. Do you experience very strong or very uncontrollable urges to go to the bathroom? Do you experience any fecal or urine urine leakage on the way to the bathroom, coughing, laughing, sneezing, exercising? Do you have pain during or after bowel movement? Do you struggle with having regular bowel movements? Do you ever experience painful intercourse? Do you experience pelvic pain or pelvic pressure uh, in your vagina, rectum, penis, testicles, bladder, tailbone, or pelvic girdle? Um, and then for men, do you experience any penile, testicular, or prostate pain? And for women only, do you experience pain or cramping with menstruation that requires intervention? So heat, medication, rest. 
That's Interesting. So uh, we, our PMS symptoms or what we slough off as like, oh, I'm just, you know, I have my period could in fact be correlated to pelvic floor issues. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So we understand what, you know, the normalcy and not normalcy here is and how to know if you, if you fall into that category or not, what can we do? You know, are there things we can do on our own, Leslie, or, or do we, yeah. What, what are there things we can do on our own to start strengthening this, like as a practice, whether, whether we need to go get help or not? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think one education is a huge, huge component. Um, there are so many things that you can just do a little bit of research. I, you know, the, the place where I got my training pelvic health solutions has a wonderful website, um, that has a ton of information for someone just coming to, to investigate, you know, there's a, a heading, for patients, you can click on that and it pulls up a huge menu of just general information about the pelvic floor, about what pelvic health physio is. And is um, it like interesting or do you need to be someone who wants to geek out on that to like it? It is. Well, it's something that if I'm dealing with urinary incontinence and I want to do something about it, you would be uh, I want to take the time to invest in learning a bit about what's going on. Right. Um, and so it's a great resource for understanding a little bit more about what's um, what's happening and that it's normal and that this yeah. is, you know, there's a name for this or there is, and it, and it gives some good understanding as to why it's happening, some things that can be done as, as well as discussing just kind of how much, how effective pelvic health physio can be, you know, it is yeah. kind of becoming the, the, um, go-to for incontinence, urinary and fecal incontinence, pelvic, mm-hmm. uh, organ prolapse, pelvic pain, you know, it's a very effective way. And so it, it's a good resource just to learn a little more. Um, podcasts are wonderful. There are so many podcasts out there that are talking about the pelvic floor and giving a little bit more information and understanding to it. Um, I run a, you know, if you're in the Belleville, Ontario, uh, area, I run a yoga for pelvic health class and in Coburg here at East studio, I do, um, some workshops as well as at we thrive wellness where I work in Belleville. Um, and I do workshops and do this yoga for pelvic health, uh, class to give more understanding and information. So people just can learn a little bit more. Okay. Um, Step one is definitely learn. We'll put that, by the way, we'll put the pelvic health solutions link in the show notes. And if Leslie wants to share a couple of her favorite podcasts, I'll throw those in there too. So everyone can see and check out, look, look in your area. I mean, if you're not, obviously not people listen from all over the world. So look in your area for a yoga for pelvic um, yeah, like maybe you're saying you did say it's starting to become more popular. It definitely is. I imagine if you in- investigate and kind of whether it's pelvic health in the area or yoga for pelvic health or exercise for pelvic health, okay. it's definitely becoming something that is, um, becoming more mainstream and, and available. YouTube is wonderful. 
Like you can take a look on YouTube. You, there are so many uh, yoga Pilates type classes that are based and exercise classes that are based around pelvic health. Um, so there's lots of options to investigate. Would you, would you say less like if we're, if we're trying, so let's say, you know, I go to YouTube and I find some like pelvic health things to follow. Is it yeah. similar to like any other muscle group or really it's something that maybe I want to work two or three times a week? Um, if you, depending on where you are, so this is, you know, independently there is, you can start and yeah, two or three times a week. If you find that bringing a bit of, of pelvic health focused practice a couple times a week is, um, you know, you're not seeing any particular changes or improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, that is when I would say going to, to a pelvic health physio where you can have a, um, an assessment done, you know, mm-hmm. we do physical assessments, external, as well as internal is optional. It's something mm-hmm. that is really helpful because okay. then we get a, an kind of a, a complete understanding as to what is happening in your pelvic floor, right. um, to pr- really individualize your program and your rehab to do specifically what your body needs. Of course. Um, that's one of the challenges with the pelvic floor is that it's internal mm-hmm. and we do tend to have this disconnect. So a lot of the times when, when people are suffering from pelvic health symptoms or pelvic floor symptoms, they don't really know, you know, am I engaging? Am I not? I'm not quite mm. sure when I engage. Am I also holding my breath and clenching my bum and gripping my toes and oh my gosh, <laughs> doing all something. of these other things? <laughs> um, whereas coming to see the pelvic health, uh, pelvic health physio, um, mm. we're able to determine what is going on. You know, it does the, does the pelvic floor, you know, need strengthening does the pelvic floor need to learn how to relax Mm. um yeah so there's there's that guidance a little bit more specific if you do go and have uh or work with a pelvic health physio right yeah so that is an option as well if you kind of recognize i have some symptoms you learn a little bit more maybe you try to do some things on your own through um research and learning and yeah, if there's any classes and, you know, group classes in your area or online. Um, but if you find you're still kind of struggling, um, booking in and having an assessment, you know, you can always call. I know at, at We Thrive, I have a 15 minute phone consultation that's free that that is available to just chat and get an idea if it is something that is, is appropriate, if pelvic health will be beneficial. Um, if you want to book in for an assessment after that, you can, but yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So for anyone who's listening, if you're struggling and if you're recognizing yourself in some of these symptoms and probably you are, if you're still listening to this episode, so, and I, I'm, I'll be the first to admit, I'm going to have no shame. Like this is not like, this has been something I have struggled with. So, so it really does, hold you back in life. It really does get harder in perimenopause and it really can improve. So you're, so what we can do is what Leslie's saying is if you, if you go out and research a little, you recognize yourself in that you try some things and it's not working, or you're at the point where you're suffering so much, that's when you know, it's a time to reach out and uh, we'll put, we'll put a link in the show notes as well so that you can reach out specifically to Leslie if you want and schedule a free 15 minute call to see, you know, if it is the right thing for you to have an assessment. 
But if we, you know, I think is, so I understand there's those kinds of things that we can do. Is there a way to self-assess if you are, like, if you're clenching or relaxing or like, is there an easy way to do it at home? Uh, yeah. One thing that, so I often in our, my first visit with, with women, um, one of their homework pieces is to go home until I see you again, just start to notice, you know, if you're driving home and you're engaging those muscles, like you're trying to stop the flow of urine or holding in gas, uh, but you're not, (laughs) see if you can let them go. Just notice if there is this pattern, this habitual tensing, clenching, engaging, um, so that's one thing, just start to notice what's happening in that area. Um, and then starting to bring some, some awareness and, and maybe trying to engage and find those, uh, those muscles, trying to relax and see how, if you have that letting go, um, you can always put your finger inside your vagina Mm-hmm. and and feel you know try to engage and see if you feel kind of a closing around your finger if you feel a little bit of a lifting of so those muscles want to provide that closure and lift okay so if you insert finger into vagina and you engage you want to be feeling for a closure and a lift if you relax when you engage that, when you engage yeah. you feel for that kind of letting go and opening around your finger Okay. So and let, let's, thing. let's be super descriptive. Are, like, are we talking like one knuckle in, like we just need the tip and to like, and squeeze. You into the can, yeah. Or depending you on how it. comfortable you're, yeah. you're are in. And this is the thing or the kind of finding the point. Um, yeah, I, I would put the finger in, you know, fairly, maybe yeah. up to the second. Knuckle. Knuckle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two knuckles in ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a way of kind of testing, stopping your flow of urine. Ooh. You know, that's something that you don't want to be doing all the time. But if you every once in a while want to kind of get an idea of when I am contracting my pelvic floor, is it contracting? You know, see if midstream you can stop the flow and then let it start again. Mm. Um, again, not something you want to do all the time because we don't want to start retaining urine and, and yeah. kind of, but if you want to just check okay. in with, you know, what, can I do this? Um, can I slow the flow? Can I stop the flow? Can I relax and let the flow start going again? Mm. Or, you know, do I, when I relax, does it take a little bit of time for that flow to start up again? Um, yeah. So those are some good, some good ways of kind of checking in a little bit with where you're at, where you're at. Yeah. And then is there anything we can do? Like, let's say we, we realize at that point that, yeah, no, we can't do those things or it's not grasping, or maybe we're always clenching on the drive home. Is yeah. there anything we can do to work on that? Or is that when we definitely should be coming to see a physio? Well, that's when, well, that might be when I would start to go down that, that kind of route of investigating a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, oftentimes, you know, if you are, so our pelvic floors can kind of tend to go in a, we're more have weakness or underactivity, or we have tension, tightness, restriction, right. both can create symptoms um, you know, if you tend to be more, you know, have more pain, have issues with starting the stream, have issues with constipation, 
um, pain with, with sex penetration, as well as in, uh, the incontinence, frequency, urgencies, they tend to be more with a tense or a tight pelvic okay. floor. So if those are symptoms that seem to be more typical, um, you might really focus on deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, belly breathing, letting, trying to find some relaxation and letting go of the pelvic floor that will be taught. You know, that's when you tend to maybe notice you're always clenching, gripping, um, bringing in just stress relief, you know, whether it's doing a meditation practice, whether it's going to a yoga class, whether it's going for a walk in nature, having a nap, <laughs> whatever it is to help manage stress and anxiety, you know, that tends to be more that hypertonic or that tense pelvic floor. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, have incontinence or if you have a pelvic organ prolapse, um, but if it's more incontinence, but you don't get the other symptoms that come along, so that no tends pain. to be a little bit more of that weakness, you know, and, and working on, okay, I want to try to build some strength of my pelvic floor muscles. I want to feel that kind of work on finding that closure and lift doing the Kegels. I was going to say, is that when we do the Kegels? Or, Only there. Yeah. We don't want to do the Kegels if you're already too tight. Well, so if you're already tense, then you tend to do more of a, re a reverse Kegel. So we're more of working on that letting go and relaxing. And that's what I'll use the deep breathing, you know, using your, your big, nice belly breath where your diaphragm drops down and it lengthens out your pelvic floor and encourages more of that letting go. Um, yeah. So for more of the tension, the tightness, you're going to be working on that reverse keel and trying to let go and relax yeah. versus contract and find the closure and the lift. Ooh, that's amazing. I feel like that really gives a clear like definition for people of like, okay, what could be my issue if I'm in one? Helps give a bit of guidance. Yeah. yeah. What do I do first? I know our goal here today was to like how to, to teach you how to stop peeing in perimenopause. Being your pants, <laughs> stop being your pants. Because we we want to laugh about it, but it, we want to, you know, I think the point here, you know, from my experience that I had to learn the hard way is that. It is common, but not normal. We don't need to normalize it. It is something that absolutely shouldn't hold you back in life. And, yeah. and Leslie, you've done such an amazing job of, I think, teaching us, you know, why it happens further in perimenopause, what the core source is behind it. And how to know even what your issue is and where to go from there. So I, I, I feel really excited about what we went over today and thank you so much. Is there anything else that you feel like we should know about this, about um, this specific part? One thing that I would say, last thing I'll, I'll say with, um, we didn't really talk much about the frequency, the urgency and lifestyle changes, things that we can do to help manage this, decrease this, change this a little bit, because yes. as much as our pelvic floor plays a role in it, um, some lifestyle and behavior changes can make a huge difference in the, the symptoms. Um, so keeping a, a bladder diary, and that's something that I'm sure probably if you Googled, you could find a template for it. But as a pelvic health physio, I'll, I'll often give this to a patient who comes in who has frequency, urgency, uh, leakage, Yeah. Um, where you just get a snapshot, you document kind of every time you go pee, how long those pees are. So we count from beginning of flow to end of flow yeah. um, on an hourly basis for 48 hours, mm -hmm. what drank, when you've gone poop, uh, when you've leaked, 
And so it takes a snapshot and then you kind of investigate recognizing our bladder um, before our bladder is completely full. We get two kind of warning urges or warning signs that the bladder is filling. So when we respond to our bladder kind of every time out of fear that we're going to leak or we're going to, you know, we get this urge um, recognizing, okay, our bladder might not be totally full. And this is where we start to kind of work with, with retraining the bladder right. and looking at that snapshot. So this is something that, um, learning how to do urge delay strategies. So, mm-hmm. you know, I pee, I peed 30 minutes ago, I'm feeling in the urge to go again. Now I know that this is my bladder's first warning sign that it's filling up. I don't act, my bladder's only a third of the way full. I don't actually have to go and, you know, empty. And so I'm going to use some of these strategies. So it might be um, doing some deep breathing, you know, sit, having a seat down, relaxing, doing something to distract yourself, to try to get through that urge. Right. Almost like you're training your brain, a retraining yes. your brain. Cause if it got used to being like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to pee. I have to pee now. And then if you're going yeah. on that first urge, then you're always going to feel like that's the most important urge. Yeah. And if that, you know, that creates more tension, more stress, then we have a leak because those muscles are not working oh. most optimally. Right. And So if we can use some of these strategies, it might be a distraction, you know, physically you're poking your fingernail in your uh, hand or distracting, thinking about like your next vacation or (laughs) just getting, like you said, deep breathing, like trying to move through a craving. Sometimes we have these cravings really similar. It's a mental piece of the puzzle where it's like, okay, I just need to move through whatever is creating this right now and decide whether it's real or not. Yes. And then bladder irritants, you know, taking a look at, you know, things that we ingest, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's food, drink, medication, but they can create um, a concentrated urine. They can create a kind of irritated bladder. Mm-hmm. And so some really common bladder irritants are going to be, you know, caffeine and alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, tobacco and cigarettes, smoke, um, to, and some things that it's like a tomato-based products, spicy mm-hmm. foods, um, chocolate yeah, some of these carbonated carbonated beverages, uh, artificial sweeteners, you know, so things that can really sneak into our everyday life diet. Yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of recognizing, you know what, tomato-based products irritate my bladder. And if I remove them or limit them or drink some extra water to dilute my urine, if I'm going to have some tomato-based products, yeah. and I'm not going to be going to the washroom, you know, four times in the next three hours because I've removed that irritant. Yeah. And Um, sometimes I think removing the irritant just gives us at least it like takes the edge off enough and gives the bandwidth enough for you to do the other work, you know, to, to to breathe through that, that initial urge, I think is what you're saying to, you know, to like encourage yourself to make different decisions, to actually do the strengthening and releasing when you're not afraid that this other thing is going to happen. Yeah. If you remove that irritant, you're not going to be getting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so bad. Like, yeah, Yeah. that's what, you know, kind of, and I think that, that, I mean, that goes for anything, right? I think that goes the same for, again, for our cravings in life. Like if you move the major irritants of your life, then everything gets a little bit easier to handle because you're not being literally irritated or scab being picked. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh, that's amazing. Those are the last couple of things that there's, it's amazing how many, um, things just in lifestyle and our behavior 
that can make a big difference. Nocturious, going pee at night. You know, that is something that a lot of the times we wake up, uh, our bladder doesn't particularly need to be emptied, but we're lying there and we think, oh, well, I might, if I don't pee now, then I'm going to have to pee in an hour. So I might as well just get up and go pee. Um, but if we start to use some of those urge delay strategies at night, okay, I'm going to settle. I always say deep breathing because one, it might get you through the urge. It's going to relax your pelvic floor. It's going to relax your bladder muscle. Uh, it's might, it's going to nurture your parasympathetic nervous system yep, your rest which is and, digest, and it might settle you right back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and before you know it, it's morning and you didn't get up three more times to go pee. Um, so starting to implement the urge delay, and I love the breathing for urge delay, mm-hmm. uh, especially at nighttime. So then you cut down that frequency of having yeah. to get up and then having to get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. So. A lot. I think that's amazing. That's a really good tip. It's, you know, we've covered today, sisters, like everything from, again, why this is happening, why it's getting harder, why, you know, how we can get help, how to know which area it is. And yeah, like recognizing those irritants, recognizing the fact that there is a mental load to this that we can actually focus on and work through. And it almost seems like that stepping stone is learn more, test yourself with where you're at, remove the irritants, really work on those mental blocks and do the exercises just like anything, but that it can drastically improve if not heal eliminate yeah yeah yeah. eliminate yeah amazing leslie so i think we talked about bid already but the best way for anyone who wants to set up a call with you or just learn more from you the best way is through uh through where we talked about um uh we thrive wellness uh in belleville yeah belleville ontario if you go on the website um you can connect to booking in um either a 15 minute phone consult if you wanted to chat a little bit. Um, And then there's access to booking any other, any other services there. Amazing. And they have, they have an Instagram as well. So, and there's virtual, like it's a virtual appointment. So you can just go and learn a little bit more, but don't suffer. This is our way sisters for being more in your life and not just less on a scale. Thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.